Welcome to the Musical Communication Podcast. I'm your host, Marianne Ploger, and during these podcasts, I'm looking forward to being able to explore all aspects of what it is to be musical, whether that is how we can be more musical as musicians or how we can understand why we love music and why we think it's musical or why it isn't. So we'll be exploring everything from how to perform music, how to listen to music, as well as aspects of music perception and cognition. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of the Musical Communication Podcast. My name is Karen and I'm your producer. I am sitting here with Marianne and we're excited to do the second episode of our series of the three causes of error. Before we get into all the amazingness, um, I do want to let y'all know that we're officially on Apple Podcasts, which is very exciting. Now you can listen anywhere you play your podcasts. And we would so appreciate it if you could leave us a review. Um, That is the only way that other people find the podcast. So you just go to Apple Music, you find the Musical Communication Podcast, and then you scroll down, you give it five stars or whatever you want to give us, and then just write a little blurb um, about what you like about the podcast. And then that gives other folks an opportunity when they're searching for any musical podcast um, to come across Marianne. So thank you in advance for doing that. And Marianne, take it away. Okay. Hey, thanks, Karen. (laughs) And I'm sure do appreciate those comments, everybody. So send them on in. So today I'm going to talk about the second cause of error that's called anticipation. And uh, this one is very much a problem for people who are creatives, I believe. This will help, uh, if I hope, uh, make it so that you can actually solve this particular problem. So as I mentioned before in my introduction to the three causes of error, anticipation is quite different than reaction because Mm -hmm. with an anticipation, you're actually going along blithely, if I could say, you're in eagle vision even, and everything's going great. You're very clear about what's happening, accepting something funny happens. You may not even notice you're completely playing the wrong notes. So if you've ever had that problem of going along and everything is just seeming great, and then your teacher or your friend or your conductor says, that was a wrong note. That's an anticipation. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely not aware often of this happening. So one of the ways I became aware of this was I had this student who was a wonderful musician, a student at the University of Michigan. And he was a fabulous percussionist, but he was doing a difficult exercise for me where he had to name a note on the staff, then spell up a particular interval above and below it. And he would go through this cycle of 21 notes that were on the staff, and he would completely get things wrong. And he had no awareness of it. So when he would get done doing it for me, I said, oh, do you recognize that you made several errors in it? And he said, no, I didn't. I didn't make any errors. And so I said, well, let's try that again. So he went through and he did that same exercise again. And I heard the first mistake, which was the same as the original one, actually. And then he would go on and he would make another mistake. And this time I stopped him and I said, okay, what was that note? And he recognized that, whoops, I said that wrong. So I did make him a little paranoid after that because (laughs) he realized, oh my gosh, I didn't even recognize it was wrong. I said, so uh, this is a problem because actually what's happened at that moment is the mind has in some way disconnected from the reality of Mm. what you're supposed to be doing. So in music, it can be that you just suddenly play a passage incorrectly, and it can be quite annoying when this happens. It can happen that you'll want to really perform something in a certain way because you're hearing it in your head that way, but that's not really what's there on the page. Mm. It's not the right chord if you're improvising. 
it's not the right notes in the scale, it's something that's just not quite right. As I said, it's very different than reaction because you're not even aware often that it's happened. So I'd like to use the image of the beautiful eagle flying well above this herd of deer that are bolting. And as we've seen with reaction, uh, you can easily be disoriented as that eagle if you're very close to the backs of the deer. So no, not th this time. The eagle is nicely up and you're nice and relaxed and everything is fine. But what I believe happens is the hand of the coach comes behind the head <laughs> of the eagle and suddenly it's like, la la la, turns up and it notices, look <laughs> at the clouds up there. Ooh, aren't those, oh, oh, uh oh, I didn't bring my umbrella, so I'm mm. going to have to be careful about the rain today and yeah. all I should have done. So what ends up happening is, of course, all this time, the eagle isn't focusing on the deer at all. It's focusing mm. on something else. So that's what I would call the benevolent form of anticipation because it's daydreaming. The yeah. mind disconnects from reality and from the senses that are required to do something correctly, music. So another kind is what I call the paranoid kind of anticipation. So in that one, what's happening is you're reading the notes, but now what happens, or you're listening to the pitches, mm. and what ends up happening is the coach's hand comes up on the eagle and goes, look out, be careful. This is going to happen. I'm sure she's going to do this this time. And yeah. of course, now the focus of the eagle is in a place that's completely not attached to what the reality is at the moment. So that is the mm. more vicious form of it, uh, yeah. unpleasant form, paranoid, as I like to say. So whereas the first type is daydreaming, the other one is a defensive type of mind, which makes it so we're not actually connected. So yeah. the way I like to talk about this, I do believe that then the cause of anticipation is that our senses are, I would say, diminished in favor of our thoughts. So we're more interested in what we're thinking mm. than in what is actually happening with our senses. Hmm. So the eagle is not seeing the deer down there at all. Instead, what's happening is it's focusing on something else that is not directly related to that. So this can be quite common for musicians that they will disconnect. Yeah. I always like to say that when you're reading music, let your eyes lead. Your mm. eyes are supposed to be telling you what the notes are. And if we do that, we'll be fine. Yeah. But what you don't want is for your ear to suddenly take over. I want to hear it this way. I want it to be like that. But the reality that anyone can see is that it's these notes. So in, in a certain light, it's as if we're lying about what's actually happening at that time. And that's often a good cure for anticipation. Just speak the truth. Speak mm. what those notes are. I always like to say in terms of listening, if you're having troubles hearing what's going on and you disconnect from what he you're hearing, you're not able to tell, it's usually because of the fact that your eyes are trying to, to in a way, take over your listening. Remember to let your ears hear and then your eyes will know what the notes are. <laughs> that is, you'll be able to track or follow what the notes are that you're hearing. But what can happen is once again, our ear will sort of take over, oh, I think it's this chord, and then you don't hear what it actually was. So the antidote to this really is, just imagine that there is a horse, and the horse, we're gonna change creatures here, the horse <laughs> is going to be our sense that we need 
when you're reading, your eyes should be the sense that you're using, your visual sense. Your eyes are sensing what's happening on the page. Notes are going up, they're going down. Mm. They're spaced farther apart for the rhythm. They're spaced close together. So the eyes are noticing the gesture, the, the feel and the motion. And then essentially what happens is you get to hear from that. So now the ear is going to be actually the cart and we're kind of in the cart. Mm. So the modality is following the horse. Now what happens, I believe, in an anticipation is the horse starts to go downhill. And what happens is the cart and the person on it, namely <laughs> us, begins to edge out the horse. It's very unpleasant. Yeah. So to fix that, all you have to do is imagine that you're, the horse is now going up a gentle incline and the cart is behind the horse now. And yeah. so just relax and let the modality lead that should. When you're reading music, make sure your eyes lead. When you're listening to music, make sure that your ears are leading, that your eyes aren't trying to do it for your ear. Rather, relax. Let your ear tell you what's being sensed. By all means, we need to, as almost always, we need to make sure we're not talking in our head, but rather letting our senses dictate what's happening. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So you're talking about a lot of different things, and I kind of want to kind of extricate some of these. So, you know, part of what you're mentioning, as I understand, is, you know, a state of flow. Yes. And it's like really being in the moment. But then I also am thinking of like how activated our limbic system is in this mm. process. And I'm just really curious as, as creatives and musicians, where do we learn this? Because as children, we're appreciating the music, we're doing it, it's fun. And then all of a sudden, it's really not. And it's really scary. And we develop performance anxiety. Like, where, where do you feel like this is cultivated? I think that what ends up happening is we often detach from our senses. Mm. So that, for example, there's a beauty in the design of music in the classical notation form, or for that matter, if you're working on a computer with the new forms of musical annotation that we're using to digital forms. So this is a very important thing that we don't enjoy the sensuality of noticing a gesture on the staff. So if you look at J.S. Bach's handwriting, or Mozart's for that matter, it's very sensual in its appearance. Hmm. So I think what happens is we, we begin to think too much instead of being fully engaged in the sort of beauty or play of what's happening. Yeah. And the result is I think our limbic system is, what is that note? What? you got to yeah. get that note right. And uh, instead of enjoying what's happening, that there's a change in gesture, or there is a gesture, in fact, and that this note is going up, or it's going down, or it's a dotted quarter instead of an eighth note, we become very fixated on getting it right. So the yeah. ego is involved instead of, ooh, that's really fun. Yeah. And uh, for that matter, really engaging our senses. And being sensual when we listen instead of, oh, we got to get this the notes right in a dictation, it should be delighting in the yeah. sounds that we're hearing and, and really paying attention to our senses. So I think we put too much emphasis on thinking mm. and not enough on tasting, on sensing, on feeling, and uh, that this takes us away from our senses. It yeah. detaches from that. So I have a maybe spicy question. Um, do you think that it's possible to get to a world-class level through love, given our education system in the United States? Only if it changes, I think. Uh, I think many, many teachers are working on that. 
They're trying to create a more loving environment, certainly a more compassionate one for those mm -hmm. who have different styles of learning, different than when I was young, where you were just considered stupid if you couldn't do something. Yeah. I think that's not happening. Teachers are much, much more compassionate than they used to be. But I think that in terms of musical training, we have to get things to happen in a different order. We mm -hmm. have to make sure that before we're asked to cook something, we know what the different spices and herbs and for that matter, vegetables, fruits, and meats yeah. that we use. We have to learn to recognize these, and I don't think we're taught those. I think we're taught to follow a recipe, and we don't even know what the ingredients are. Now, mm. we do know what the ingredients are. We taste them, but we're not, we don't learn to have confidence in our senses. And in fact, many musicians with whom I've worked, I mean, almost all of them, doubt their senses. So no wonder they're daydreaming or doing other yeah. things instead of paying attention to the notes because the notes don't really mean anything yeah. that they're reading. And uh, they're That's bypassing really that whole sensual experience, mm. that meaning aspect. Yeah, that's so good. And, and how would you recommend we develop those senses and also just go back to that childlike wonder? Like, how can we capture that with these three causes of error? I believe that the way to do it, the best way to do it is through improvisation. So I think the people who are probably most connected to their senses are the people who are in the popular music and jazz idioms mm. or in indigenous cultures where they are improvising. So I believe improvisation is speaking. So to speak, you have to be in touch with what you intend to say. And if you're a musician who's classically trained, unfortunately, you're always speaking somebody else's thoughts. And you're often not being taught that even if you learn three notes in a row as a child, like in Twinkle Twinkle or something like that, the, the first three pitches, you can begin to create using those three pitches and those rhythms and that bow and that string or those two strings. <laughs> so you can learn to express yourself and therefore to be more in touch with your own intention and to be able to delight in communicating that intention to somebody else. That means that you value the written note because it was somebody's intention and you become interested in what that intention was, but only through your own speaking of music. So I think mostly it has to be play. That's what I think the antidote is, is that we transform fear into play, which is love. And we know, we learn better when we're playing than almost any other way. You get a, you get a young person who's just playing with these video games and it's incredible, their eye-hand coordination. Yeah. But if they get to the piano and they have to hit those notes right, suddenly it's not play anymore. Mm. Unless we, as teachers and parents, friends, ask the kids to play, to have an understanding of, of the sensual joy of doing something, of making a beautiful sound, or of creating something lovely. Uh, and it's ours, yeah. instead of always being passive, I mm. think. In your research, have you noticed any correlations between the effectiveness of these causes of error with age, or does everybody deal with these issues? Well, that's an excellent question. I think, I think that, for example, reaction is something that all of us deal with. Children deal with it and people of all ages. Whenever we discover something new, when we encounter something new, I'd like it better to say discover, <laughs> uh, 
we end up with a reaction. Our brain goes, woo, I've never done this before. So when we have that woo experience, do we experience it through joy or do we experience it through fear? I think the fear response is the brain saying it's new. Mm. The love experience is let's get to know it. So I mentioned in my last talk about orphans, that ultimately we have to adopt musical orphans. If we don't know that chord, that rhythm, instead of being afraid of it, we need to get to know it and embrace it in the way that with an orphan, it needs more love, not less. Mm. And the last thing we want to do is to shun it. Instead, we want to embrace it and for it to become a beloved part of our world or vocabulary. So I think that ultimately children encounter all of these causes of error. I think a highly creative child who lives in a dream world may easily detach and have anticipation where they're just dreaming, daydreaming, yeah, <laughs> and losing track of what those notes are in front of them. But all we have to do is engage those senses of sight and of hearing and coordinating those and we can put them together. But again, through play would be the best. Yeah. So I think all of us encounter all of these causes of error. But I think probably the adults, as I'll talk about next time, the next podcast, looking back, I think is more of an adult yeah. plague. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the guilt, the shame, yeah, the coach yeah. in the swimming pool yelling as we're trying to swim. Mm -hmm. So I think that is probably more indigenous to an older person who has yeah. been traumatized. Uh, so, uh, but I definitely think reaction is something we're always going to have. Anticipation can be too. Um, I was working with a wonderful musician who's an improviser and was having troubles doing a complicated exercise and rhythm that I ask everyone to do. And uh, he was having a lot of trouble. And I asked him if he was an improviser. I didn't know him well. And he said, oh, yes, that's what I'd like to do. And I said, well, you know, that's what's happening. You're wanting it to be a certain way, but that's not the way it is there. So it's the difference between being an actor or a playwright. Mm. When you're reading music, you're the actor. Shakespeare is acting someone else's play, but then he's also a playwright. And in that case, his role is different. He's a creator. And it's important that we learn these two different roles and not confuse them. You shouldn't be fighting with Shakespeare. <laughs> We're supposed yeah. to be acting his play. And same thing for any, any work. We need to not be fighting against the reality of the page, but rather attending to it, listening to it. That's amazing. I love that. I had never considered the actor and the playwright. It's really brilliant. Um, and, you know, in closing, what, what do you feel like would be a good homework assignment or for somebody listening that wants to implement, you know, the antidote to this, like, what would you suggest? I suggest taking that passage that you find difficult and really see if you can literally if you're <laughs> reading it. If you're reading that passage, I'll talk about improvising in a moment, but if you're reading, let's say a phrase of the music, Try just tracing what the notes are with your index finger, as if on the musical keyboard, being really clear about just enjoying the design, that your eye leads your hand to the right notes. And then see if you can kind of speed it up and do it in rhythm. And just enjoy the gestures going up and down of the space and the rhythm being exactly right and enjoying that. And I suspect you'll start to find you can actually hear it in very real detail what's going on. So. 
this would be a way to really create that antidote. If you're, let's say, a jazzer and you have to play a very difficult uh, progression of chords, then really let yourself see what those patterns are. What are those notes in that pattern? And enjoy the sensation of those notes and rearrange them, fool around with them, and just, in, again, be very present with it and very creative with it and see what happens. So in that case, when you're improvising, you've got the chord structure, but you let your ear guide you. Now what do you want to do with that? Let that happen. So it's being more and more sensual. Mm. And I think sometimes, I don't know, in our culture in the West, we're afraid of our senses. We don't trust them. Instead of trusting that they are telling us the reality that we are experiencing together, and it is the heart of communication that we share those experiences. Yeah. So that is yeah. so good. That's such a great reframe too, to maybe not be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Just lean into that mm -hmm. discomfort. And I feel like that's just like our humanity yeah. feel more alive Yeah, in that. That's it. And trusting, mm. trusting it and uh, embracing it. Yeah. Yeah. So good, Marianne. You're so amazing. I'm oh, sitting here. I'm chilled. Um, this is wonderful. Okay. So we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Um, thank you all for listening and stay tuned to the next episode where we'll finish with our third cause of error.